Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. And today we're going to blow your minds with the conversation we have today about how to get the four generations working together in the 12 places they come apart right there in the workplace where you work each and every day. But before we get into our conversation, Martha, a couple announcements. Okay. How about an announcement on why people should go out to our website? What's one event coming up people should absolutely get signed up for today? Well, our marriage cruise. Absolutely. But it's six months away. Why should people get involved now? Well, for many reasons. Number one, something to look forward to, something that they can budget and pay a little bit at a time without incurring any extra expense. And number three, because the cruise lines... Um, have a high demand for those rooms. So we want to get them booked before uh, anybody else does. <laughs> That's right. The cruise, the cruise is starting to fill up, and uh, we are looking for you to join us. Jo- you know, husbands and wives come together for a weekend, really working on your marriages. Go out to iworkforhim.com onto the events page and join us. Just find out all the details. You'll get a hold of uh, through a link. You'll get more information, and then you can reach out to Rick Saltarelli from Salty Breeze Cruise Planners, and he'll give you more information on the cruise. March the 30th through April the 3rd, 2017. Yes, it's okay. It's seven months away, but it's time. Literally, the cruise could be limited in space because the cruise line keeps selling rooms out from under us. Everybody's hearing that cruising is such a great idea. Good way to get away. It is a great idea, and it will make an amazing difference in your marriage. So get signed up right away. Hey, when you're out there on iWorkForHim.com, also check out joining and consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Be change in your workplace by allowing God to change you first. Start by praying for your coworkers and employees, looking for ways to serve your coworkers and employees. Look for ways to befriend your coworkers and employees. Look for ways to pray with those people you work alongside, but all along being a person of excellence. That's what it means to join the I Work For Am Nation, and we would love for you to join us in the quest to transform our country into an amazing place because of the amazing faith of Christ followers across mm. the fruited plain. Romans 12, 2 reminds us of the paradigm shift that it will take for you and me to really be fantastic Christ followers in the workplace. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Martha, each and every day we talk on I Work For Him about things that really are going to change how we look at our workplaces, how, I mean, we're learning this every day. 
uh, about how do we connect our faith in our workplace and how do we not do what the world does and, and just pretend that faith doesn't exist, that, that Jesus doesn't exist, that he's irrelevant to our workplace. We're going to jump into a conversation today about the generations in a workplace. And there are, there are we know business owners that have five different generations working in the workplace. Yeah, it's not uncommon anymore. A lot of people don't think about it, but the, um, there are a lot of people in the top generation um I guess that would what what is beyond the traditionalists? I don't even no, know what it's called. No, that would be the, the traditionalists, the baby boomers, the Xers, the millennials, and then the next ones, whatever they're going to call them. Okay, they don't know what so, they're going to call them yet. So a lot of our older people that had gotten out of the workforce are getting back into it because of finances. So there are situations where there are actually five different generations of people trying to work together, but they were raised incredibly differently. So the the book that we're discussing, we both just really took to it because it's it's so interesting to learn how we've been um, influenced by how we've been raised and how we look at the world differently and understanding that. You know, the other day I was getting checked out at Publix. Not checked out. I was checking out. <laughs> hey, well, maybe I was. Guy. Hey, you're the one that had somebody like you know flirt with you in the in the bread aisle one time. <laughs> the bread guy said to Martha, "You're as cute as a button." Uh, nobody's ever said that to me in a grocery store. But this guy was checking me out, and he was in his seventies, maybe mid seventies. Mm-hmm. And first of all, I'm thinking. And that just stinks. But maybe this guy really is looking at this as a new ministry. Maybe it's a new opportunity for him. Uh, I shouldn't criticize. I didn't have a chance to, you know, to, to ask him a question. But we do need to recognize that people who are 75 and 80 look at life very differently than people who are 17. Amen. And we can learn from each other. Not One is not more right than the other or more wrong than the other. Um, and I know we'll get into that, but it's really like different cultures that we need to learn to understand. Well, and it's it's important. And, and I think that's the ish, issue is that a lot of us, we just are missing the opportunity to, to recognize value in people mm-hmm. that aren't us. Mm-hmm. You know, our, you know the, we're in that squashed by the boomers. I mean, we're not really boomers based on the bracket, but we were raised by, we were raised with sisters and brothers that were boomers, but we have way more exert tendencies, but we were raised by traditionalists. Right. But we need to appreciate all the generations because here's the good news, people. God created all of them mm-hmm. and, and the values that they had, the moral, the moral foundation. I mean, people, People 2000, 2,000 years ago, <laughs> they had a very different view on life, people 2,000 years ago. People 100 years ago looked at life very differently. I mean, our parents grew up in a time where air travel was just becoming. So, telephones have only been in houses for a few years. I mean, it's just, it's so different. All right, well, you're listening to I Work For Him today as Martha and I discuss the book Sticking Points by Hayden Shaw. How to get four generations working together in the 12 places they come apart. Now, I said, well, there's really five generations working together. But when Hayden Shaw wrote this book, there weren't five generations in the workplace, but there are now. Just a couple of years ago. This book was only so, written in 2013. Right. So those kids were 13. Now they're 16 and they're working in the workplace. So but we're not talking about that today. We're only going to address the four generations because nobody knows what this next generation is really called. <laughs> but before we get back to our conversation, Martha. There's a phenomenal event coming up on the 27th of September, and you first brought my attention to this amazing author, and then Mark Clark, our great friends from Wealth Planning and Design out of Lakewood Ranch, told me about it, and Mark's got a great event to talk to us about. Mark Clark, welcome back to I Work For Him. 
Hey, thanks, Jim and Martha. Great to be here with you. Talk to me about this event. You know, this John Cortinas. You talked to me about him and say, hey, this guy's great. Martha had already talked to me about it. He's a, he's a Harvard graduate. Well, I don't know. You're, you're holding this event, and you've got a really cool speaker. What is the event about? Well, the event's about uh, generosity from a different standpoint. You know, too many times we get invited to events in order to uh, give people money or give money to a, uh, a service or a ministry. And this is an event about generosity that is completely different than that. It's all about the people who are coming. And to hear a story from uh, John and his co-author, Greg. Greg won't be there, but John will be here in Lakewood Ranch on Tuesday, September 27th sharing his story about his journey of generosity that he found, believe it or not, at the Harvard Business School as he completed his Harvard MBA. So he must have been getting lost out of one of those side pathways or something like that. How, how did he learn that at Harvard? Well, I don't want to steal any of his thunder. Okay, We've okay. got a unique webpage um, called GulfCoastGenerosity.com. You can go there and sign up for our, our dinner event. And the reason it's a dinner is because when we had a committee meeting, everybody said, hey, we would like to bring our spouses or business partners, and we'd like to do this in an evening because this is that's how good this story is. So, uh, But on that webpage is a link to a Vimeo video. It's a two-minute video of John and Greg sharing their story about how they found themselves in a divinity class at Harvard, and the professor proceeded to, well, I won't blow the story, the professor challenged them, and uh, through their journey of the challenge, they wrote a paper, and the paper has now become a book uh, called God and Money, and to hear their story uh, and what they have, have discovered, it, it's, it's powerful. It's unlike any story you've ever heard. It's, it's, it's completely unique. All right, so people can find out more about the event at Gulf, G-U-L-F, not golf, like you're on the golf course right now, gulfcoastgenerosity.com, gulfcoastgenerosity.com. That's how people can find out about the event, and but it's on the 27th of September. And you've got limited space, but it's from 6 to 8 at the Polo Grill at Lakewood Ranch. Now, people are up in Tampa are going, wait a minute, Lakewood Ranch? Give me a break, people. It's exit 213 on I-75. It is literally an hour from Tampa, and what a great location. What will pe- What can people expect? Well, they can expect a, a very, number one, a very good dinner, because uh, there's a lot of events at the Polo Grill. So we're going to have a great dinner. Uh, we have two other business partners with us. Uh, number one, we'll have Generous Giving, and Generous Giving is an organization. They're going to learn about Generous Giving and then some follow-up that we can have uh, opportunity to plug into. But Generous Giving is an organization that helps people learn more about giving. They won't take a donation. They're not looking for your money. In fact, leave your checkbook at home on Tuesday the 27th. We're not going to – nobody's asking you for any money. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You, you're talking about you have an event coming up on the 27th of September called, called An Evening of Generosity, and you're not asking – asking people to donate money that's correct don't bring your checkbook don't bring your credit credit card that that that's it by the way if you're a business owner um we are charging to to come to dinner but the we're just trying to cover our hard costs uh we didn't want a corporate sponsor getting in here and you know muddying up the water and you know making it all about them so this is whatever our true hard cost is uh, we're going to take that, those dollars and anything over that that we make, we're actually gonna, going to give away a donor advised fund for somebody 
to uh, give to a ministry of their choice that night. So mm-hmm. not only are we not asking for a check, we're going to give money back. So um, it's real inexpensive. It's 55 bucks for a seat. If you'd like to buy a whole table of 10, it's 500 bucks. Who should you bring? Business owners should bring their key employees, their kids, their family. Now we're talking kids that are, you know, uh, 16 and over. Uh, it'll be a very if you're if you got folks that are thinking about going off to college or getting ready to go to college, especially if they're wanting to study business. Those are the people you want to bring. I promise you, it's a life-changing message. By the way, we're going to be giving away. John's book, which will be autographed, and you'll have an opportunity to buy additional books if you if you'd like. Um, Joni Rometta, my business partner, and I heard John speak at the Kingdom Advisor Conference back in February, and they gave away books there. And everybody in the room went and got a book. The, the line was long; it took us 30 minutes to get through the line. That's how compelling this message is. Um, and when you see how young these guys are, it's just exciting to hear what's going on. It's amazing, and I can't wait to be there. September 27th from 6 to 8 at the Polo Grill in Lakewood Ranch. Go online to get uh, sign up for this event, GulfCoastGenerosity.com, GulfCoastGenerosity.com, or you can call 941-361-1484, 941-361-1484. Mark, thanks for making sure that we knew about this event. I can't wait to see you there, and I'm really excited about the whole event. All right, Jim. Thanks for taking time for us. All we right. appreciate it. See you later, thanks. Mark. Right, bye-bye. All right, Martha, that's going to be a fun event. I'm looking forward to that event. Yeah, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking about the fact how wonderful it would be for a business culture. Do, for... do I have to wear a suit that night? I don't know. You not. might. We're going to have to buy one then, aren't we? <laughs> but should have asked Mark if I could wear shorts. Sorry. Okay. That's okay. Back I was just event. trying to make a really good point Sorry. here. Um, just I the, love fa- you. the fact that you could impact the culture of your business by bringing, by hosting a table for all your employees, coworkers, having them come alongside of you and hearing this message and bringing that back to your workplace and what an impact that could have. So I think that'd be a great outing for someone to consider for their business. Yeah, there's nothing that frees a spirit, a soul, than generosity. Obviously, mm-hmm. Jesus the, is the ultimate, well, he's the ultimate generous gift. He died for you and me, because, we, and we didn't deserve it. That's generous. But when God blesses us as Christ followers, when we start to give away of the things that he's given us, when we start to be generous, it fills your spirit in an amazing, amazing way. All right, gulfcoastgenerosity.com. We just said Mark Clark and Joni Rometta from Wealth Planning and Design have been great supporters of our work for him. Done a lot of uh, guest hosting for us. We just want to ma- really make sure that you guys knew about that event coming up in Lakewood Ranch. Join us. Martha and I will be there. She'll be dressed up really pretty. I'll be shorts and in a I work for him t-shirt, I'm sure. <laughs> I doubt it. All right, so we're talking today about, probably not, probably talking today about the book Sticking Points by Hayden Shaw. And the subline is how to get four generations working together in the 12 places they come apart. And the, and the parentheses is in there, in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And I picked out a Bible verse for today because this is the issue. The issue is traditionalists, which are the people that were born in the 20s and the 30s, they look at life very differently than the millennials that were born you know, in the 90s, the 80s and the 90s. And so I, I picked up this verse from 1 Timothy 4.12. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. It, it is, it's just so important we don't look down on our young people. Because they got a lot to offer. 
And they also look at things very, very differently. So if you really want to be successful in business, doggone it. If you've got young people in your workplace, you better be at least getting their perspective because they look at life. If you look at life and you see red, they're going to look at the same life and see blue or pink or green or Well, a great case in point is the cover of this book. There is a picture of a rotary phone that is plugged (laughs) into a wall. Do you have a sound for that, Ace? (laughs) And then there is a picture of a cell phone that is plugged into a wall, but for power. um, No, it's not an iPhone. No, it's a Samsung. So anyway, but my point was the fact that, um, and of course, we just read an article about now how they have a first-generation Star Trek flip phone calm thing whatever so it's even going beyond the cell phone but the point is is that like we were talking to somebody the other day it was like you when you went moved to college you had to pay extra to have a phone in your dorm room if you wanted to have that and most people didn't they went to the pay phone stood in line waited their turn to talk to home and let them know that they were doing well or they needed money so those were, you know, it's we've come a long way just in communication devices. Do you remember how frustrating those dial phones were? You put your finger in, you turned it, and you had to wait for it to come back. And you turn. No, I didn't find that frustrating at all. I thought it was pretty cool. When you called cool. and then the phone was busy, you called and then the phone was busy, and you had to do the same seven digits again. You know, I lived in a community that for a while, you you only had to do the last four. Yeah, well. (laughs) (laughs) But no, because we didn't know any different. I didn't know, you know, because it's not the days of redial and speed dial. You are dating yourself. I am. You are. Okay. So the four generations we're trying. And here's why we're talking about this. Listen, in church, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, you are working around people that aren't like you. They don't think like you. They weren't raised like you. And we're not talking about abusive homes versus fairly, quote unquote, normal homes. We're talking about generational differences. I mean, our neighborhood that I live in, uh, that Martha and I, well, we live together in the same place because we're married. Uh, there's There are people that are in their 30s and people that are almost 80. And you, you talk about looking at life differently. Oh, boy. Well, yeah, there's actually people in their 20s. Well, and there's little kids, too. There's like five, six, seven-year-olds. Sure. So the four generations that are working together that this book is written about, traditionalists, baby boomers, generation Xers, millennials, and then the next ones, but it's not written about those. What we're going to do when we come back from the break is dig deep into each one of these generations so that you can understand what to look for in these generations so you can understand them better and how to better interact because it doesn't matter if you're 20, you can interact with people that are 40 and 50 and become friends. It's some of the Marthas and my greatest friends are way older than us because we appreciate the moral stance that they take because they take it a lot easier than the younger people. All right, so let's take a look at these four generations and then midway through this segment, we're going to give away a copy of this. And listen, this book would be great if you're a leader of any kind or let's just say you're an up and coming leader. This book could be fantastic for you as you study how to get these generations to work together. No matter whether it's a volunteer project, a church project, uh, a work project, a neighborhood project, it doesn't matter. How do you get, how do you understand them? So we're talking about these four generations that are working together. Traditionalists, baby boomers, generation Xers, and millennials. And all of this conversation is based on information from a book by Hayden Shaw called Sticking Points. And you can get a copy of his book on Amazon. Let's just look at traditionalists. All right. So traditionalists, just a little perspective. These people were born in the 20s and the 30s 
and they, and they were they were teenagers in the 20s, the 30s, and the 40s. Yeah, they're born before 1945. So born before the end of World War II. And you're thinking, holy small time, a long time ago. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people alive today that were born before 1945. A ton. All of our parents were born before then. All right, so they... They're, they're, they still make up over 13% or around 13% of our population mm-hmm. and understand that several hundred thousand of them died in World War II. So th- this generation would be even bigger, but it right, it was made smaller because of the sacrifices they made to save our country from worldwide dominion of the Germans or the Japanese. All right. So they were given multiple names like the builders, the matures, the G gener- GI generation, the radio generation. That's because they didn't have TV. They listened to radio. What great people they were listening to the radio all that's the time. Right. How cool is that? So that's a form of communication that has stayed through all the years. And radio is one of the greatest forms of communication. I listen to my radio in my car all the time. Listen to people. Yes. Yes, Martha goes, yes, I wish you'd turn it off because sometimes no, we can't talk. Oh, we're glad people are listening to the radio. <laughs> All right, so some of the, what is about some of the key events that happened during their lifetime that, that really shaped them? Well, World War I, of course, uh, Prohibition, that happened during their lifetime. Um, first popular talking movie. Can you imagine going to the movie theater for the first time and hearing a talking movie? That would be pretty cool. Um, People are going, What? Yeah, well, you think about that. So this is the whole beautiful thing about this book is just understanding what these people have lived through. The invention of sliced bread. That's the greatest thing since sliced bread. That happened. Ace, did you have any idea that happened almost 100 years ago? 1928, sliced bread. So when people say that's the greatest thing since sliced bread, that means nothing great has happened since 1928. Well... I don't know about that, but I, I will say that's pretty interesting. I didn't know it was that long ago. However, you want, I want to impress you guys. I know what the very first talkie movie ever was. Oh, tell oh, us. What was it? The Jazz Singer starring Al Jolson. Really? Yes. Random facts. Wow. There you go. Bye. By Ace. <laughs> Ace Andrews. So the Great Depression happened during their lifetime. And that really formulated how they looked at stuff. They didn't waste anything because they had zero to waste. Zero to waste. Yeah. And one of the big things that really um, transitionally, and I think a lot of these generations deal with this, is the whole move from the farm to the suburbs. That transition from um, living out on your own. agrarian economy, right? To to industrially. Industrial. And World War II. And you can say the last one. The atom bomb. I mean, nuclear war. Yeah. And you talk about shaping. Those are events that shaped that generation. And, And... you look at none of us have any perspective like that. Well, some, except for the people listening today that grew up in that, most people don't know what it's like to live on a farm even today. And today, farms back then, farms were forty to a hundred acres. Now, farms in the Midwest are a couple thousand acres because of how they can harvest and how they have to make enough money in order to be able to get enough when it comes. So life is very different. And we look at farms as being romantic now. I mean, as far as the lifestyle of being a farmer, as opposed to it was truly survival. It was truly their only way to feed their family. 
and um, farms around a quarter. It. I just think of farms around a quarter section, 160 acres. You love that. I do. Okay. Because when you're flying over Minnesota, you can see quarter sections. It's beautiful. And, and you, so you see it's all organized. The, it's see, organized. we like organization, so That's we like that. Straight. So the next category that they when they're talking about traditionalists, um, it's hard to believe it, but there actually is nothing in this category for traditionalists, and that is top television shows because there was no um, networks that were broadcasting um, until 1951. Those of you that are at home that have 350 channels on digital satellite television. In six different TVs in every room of your house. And you still can't find anything to watch? These people didn't have, they didn't care. They didn't even know what they were missing. Well, they didn't, yeah, they didn't know not to care. The top music song, I'm just going to pick one from these. How about this one? We've all heard this one. Oh, yeah. White Christmas. One of my favorite Christmas songs. I'm dreaming about white Christmas. Okay, so I have to pick one more. Tiptoe Through the Tulips. That was a top song. I thought. During their life. You thought it was Tiny Tim, didn't you? Yes. He made it popular, but it wasn't new then. He was freaky. Um, Okay. The, uh, just the way he, he didn't really have a great great voice. How about the Boogie Woogie Woogie Bugle Boy? That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. We sang that in high school. (laughs) Too fun. Or did you sing that in high school? I don't know. Okay. All right. So what makes this generation unique Things, top five responses traditionalists give about themselves that makes this generation unique. Again, we're just trying to help you understand these generations because these are, I mean, if you don't have this perspective and you're working, you're a 20 or 30 year old, you're working along people that are in their 70s, if you don't have this perspective, you don't have an appreciation. And there's a lot of people growing up today that don't, they never get to spend time with their grandparents. And this is a huge thing. This is what we learned from our grandparents. But mm-hmm. top five things that make generation unique World War II and the Great Depression. But they were at the same time. And really, World War II is what brought us out of the Great Depression. All the all the manufacturing. And they think they're smarter. They definitely think they're more honest. And they were. Yeah. A, a man's word was his bond back then. You Again, shook this is what they believe about themselves. Right. That they are honest. Um, that they have good work ethic, which um, that was just expected, I believe. And along with that, good values and morals. So one of the things I picked up out of the book was that they were talking about different, like the way people talked about them. And in traditionalists, they really were told or given the phrase, who do you think you are? So when you think of, when you really get in that perspective, who do you think you are? What I'm, what I'm talking about is if you're a younger person, you've got an older person to be around. The best thing you could ever do if you really want to appreciate what they've got going on is Ask them, hey, what was life like when you were younger? What was life like when you were growing up? How was work different when you first started versus how you're at today? I mean, people, I'm telling you that my father's, my Martha's mom and dad and my mom and dad are all traditionalists. And the computer, I taught my mom and my father-in-law how to use a computer in the early 80s. And they both are, you know, they're avid of course, they're Facebook freaks, but they're avid computer users. But that was nobody even had any idea what a computer was. Again, these are people that grew up without television. They didn't have television growing up. They had radio and they all sat around as a family and listened to the radio. So it, it just ask people what it was like, because it is the filter that those people. I got Martha all choked up. I am choked up. Sorry. These people have a... Th- the traditionalists filter everything they experience through their experiences of childhood. That's the perspective they were given by their parents that were most of their parents were born at the turn of the 20th century, either in the early 1900s or in the late 1800s. 
that's that's some perspective right so we're going to go on to the baby boomers and give a little background on them well i suppose we can but we only have like 30 seconds till the break so we can do the baby boomers these are people born you know and i don't know how they figure this out so born between 46 1946 and 1964 which x's us out of there well, so, for, we are babies in a family full of boomers so that's where we get an identity crisis. so we're not baby boomers we're babies born to live with boomers we've lived we were raised with boomers but we really act much more like generation xers okay well i'm not going to disagree well you can't we're out of time. <laughs> You're listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg, as we talk about sticking points, how to get four generations working together in the 12 places they come apart. It's so important that we... Under- well, Martha, you wanted to say something about this. Well, I did. When when you read the beginning of the book, it explains how much like when we... If you were to travel to a different country where they speak a different language and have a different culture, you don't get off of the airplane and expect everybody to be like you as a visitor. You need to learn the culture. I do. And I expect learn... them to speak English. Well, no, you just hope they do because then you can find your way around. But the but the whole point is that when you go and visit, you, you have to either get a translator or learn a little bit or at least know the culture and how to move your way around that culture. And the same thing is true with the different generations, that we can't just assume you're going to sit next to somebody that's in a different generation than you and um, you're going to experience everything the same way. They have a different culture that they've been raised in. So the fascinating thing about this book is just this whole idea that we really have had so many things in our life influence us and it makes helps us to make those decisions in life and how we react to things and how we act. And so it's important to understand the other cultures in your workplace, in your home, even with families when there's friction with the the older generation and the younger generation to ex- to explore their cultures so that you can understand them better. And I just think it's fascinating. It is fascinating. And it's so frustrating because we, we think that people just aren't listening to us, but people listen differently. I mean, Jesus was so good at just taking time to seek to understand people. And he was God, but he took time to, to connect with people, whether they were young little children, when he told the disciples, don't keep those children from coming to me. And to the, to the older people, to the elders, you know, the Pharisees even, he reached out and he sought to understand them. We need to do the same thing. And when you look at the last, really, you look at the last hundred years, a hundred years ago, we were in the middle of World War One, And you, um, the changes that have happened in our country, the rapid changes from industrialism to You know, we're in space. We've got an orbiting space station where everybody, almost every 96 or 7% of the world is wirelessly connected Mm -hmm. in 100 years. It's just, it's staggering. I mean, the people in Africa didn't go to paper and then landline phones and then desktop computers. They went from dirt to cell phones in commerce. And, and handling money. I mean, it's amazing. Martha, we were tickling people with the idea of the baby boomers. And we're really going to have to, people are going to have to listen faster, as oh, our pastor Jeff would idea. say. <laughs> because we just took half of the show to talk about traditionalists, and we still have baby boomers, Generation Xers, and Millennials to talk about. And, and, and that's really where the, I mean, Millennials, those are the incoming leaders in our working generations. We need to understand them. 
we definitely need to understand them and know how to plug them into leadership. All right. So baby boomers born between 46 and 64. That's 1946 and to 1964. Um, their teen years were in the 60s and the 70s. Well, you know, you've all heard about them, haven't you? <laughs> Enough said. Holy Go on. Smoke. No, Woodstock. <laughs> okay. That well, was before that's our time. The, the Beatles. Key, that's one of the key events of their lifetime I is bet, Woodstock. I would bet that, let's see, yeah, key events. Is it the Beatles in there? Their top, it's well, got to be, be the Ed Sullivan show when they highlighted the Beatles has got to be on here. No. Come on, they missed that. Okay, well, that, you can't list everything. You can't. Okay, so key events. Uh, the surge of birth, the baby boomers after World War II. I mean, people came home, they started having children. Had to make up. They had make up for lost time. There you go. Civil rights movement. Vietnam. Woodstock. Watergate. Oh, not guilty. Uh, That's pretty good. I remember television, that day. I remember TV. Television. television. Not only black and white television, but color television came in in the 70s. Um, top television shows. Gunsmoke, Bonanza, The Andy Griffith Show, of which I've watched almost every episode. Thanks to Netflix. <laughs> Laughing, Marcus Welby, oh. and All in the Family. <laughs> wow. If that didn't form uh, this culture, no, who knows what Ar- did. Archie Bunker. Oh, yeah. that was loud. Yeah, well, it should be loud. At okay. least you're not pretending to sing like Toppy, Top music? How about I'm a Believer by the Monkees? That was one of my favorites. That's a great one. Killing Me Softly. That was another good one. Love Will Keep Us Together by the Captain and Tennille. Oh, yeah. Love Will Keep Us Together. That's great. So here again, because we're not technically boomers, but this is the era that we grew up in. And our siblings siblings owned those records. And they always got to choose what channel to watch on TV, too. That's right, because they were bigger than us. The babies didn't get to choose. But then we grew up and we tackled them. (laughs) And we short-sheeted their beds. And then we just told our mommies and daddies that they were being naughty. Don't give away all the secrets. Oh, it's, it's okay. Now we're 50. Oh, okay. All right. So what makes what made the baby boomer generation unique? How about their work ethic? They thought their work ethic made them unique. And, and they were workers. Mm-hmm. They were respectful. Values and morals. They loved being called baby boomers. And they thought they were smarter. Interesting. It is interesting. Mm-hmm. But understanding, these are people that grew up in a generation after two monstrous wars... And during a war that uh, really, it, it, yeah, no comments on the Vietnam War, but a very difficult war for our country. And when uh, they started taking God out of schools, started taking God out of society, and it is, uh, I mean, it was played out. The the moral collapse of our society started in the '60s and the '70s. I mean, really, the 50 years of our lives, Martha, the moral collapse of our society. And that's what these people grew up with as a perspective. And these baby boomers are now starting to retire. Yes. So one of the conversations in the book was about how somebody that was a, um, a manager said, these boomers are so arrogant. How, how do I deal with them? They're so arrogant. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that this generation was told over and over again that they were special. They were the greatest generation. Yes. So as much as the tradi- traditionalists had the that harder, maybe military talk to them that said, who do you think you are? You know, like you're not above everybody else. My parents else. said that to me all the time. Yeah, well, but that's the traditionalists were raised that way oh, yeah. because they were raised, you know, more of the kids are to be seen and not heard. Um, just 
you know, put your nose to the grindstone and do what you got to do. Whereas the boomers were told, you are special. And so, <laughs> but Bernie wasn't though, on the air yet. Even though that was an incredibly important thing to tell them, it came, it comes across as a as a generation that's very arrogant because they think that they it it comes across as though they think they're better than everybody else. So the next generation, and this is the generation that is rising to leadership in corporations across the globe, and that's Generation X. And it's super important that we recognize that because these are people born from 65 to 1980. So people born in 1980, they're in their mid-30s today. And these are people taking over corporations. I mean, they're and they bring with them a completely different perspective because these are people that were teenagers in the 80s and the 90s, mm-hmm. you know, whereas you and I, Martha, grew up in neighborhoods where we could go and run and get on our bikes and go travel anywhere we wanted to go and just, we could just do stuff. Where in the 80s and the 90s, it wasn't safe to just let your kids roam anymore because they disappeared. Um, all, all of a sudden, all these organized sports took over people's lives instead of it just being a weekend baseball game or you know, brownies or Boy Scouts, it's five days a week sports because kids couldn't just play a pickup game of baseball in the back parking lot. Yeah, that was something that really was an eye opener to me when we were reading this book was the fact that whole reality of why organized sports became such a big deal. And not only the fact that the parents were trying to live vicariously through their kids, but they were trying to find a way for their kids to be active and to play but in a safe, controlled environment. No longer could you just say, go play kickball with all the neighbor friends down at the park. Um, the world was constantly changing around us. And that doesn't mean every neighborhood wasn't safe. You know, we lived in a great little little country town for a few years when our kids were little, and they could ride their bike to the pool. They could go and play with their friends, and you didn't worry about it. But that is not the generalization of this generation. And But that just, I had never really thought about that before. So the key events during, and this is really describes us. This is why I think I'm more of a generation Xer than a baby boomer, because the uh, key events, double digit inflation, the Mm -hmm. Carter years, Mm -hmm. unbelievable, 20% inflation, unbelievable, 20% interest rates Uh, in inflation, you know, 10% was unbelievable. Yeah, we were talking to our daughter about a 1.99% interest rate. And I can remember weren't mortgages like 17% 17 at one or 18%. time? 17% or 18%. Unbelievable. Um, the Iran- Iranian hostage crisis. Unbelievable. The Sony um, Walkman. Oh um, my gosh, when I had to get rid of my boombox and I carried it on my shoulder and all of a sudden I had fantastic sound and it weighed a, a, about a half a pound. Um, AIDS. Remember that well. Uh, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. How about MTV and cable television? I mean, we only had five channels growing up, but I, my friends had cable, and you're like, wow. And then the space shuttle, Challenger, exploding. Mm-hmm. The Berlin Wall being torn down. And the Persian Gulf War. That's a lot of big events. Those are big events. Top shows. This is how ridiculous it turned. You went from great <laughs> shows to top shows. How about Dallas? Oh, come on. An evening soap opera. The Cosby Show, fantastic. We watched every episode. Roseanne. That's right, crickets. The Simpsons, again, anti-cultural, funny. People thought it was very funny, but it was anti-family. Anti-family. And it was anti-culture. It was really anti-anything having to do with Christianity. It was a real bash on traditional values. Friends, again, a real bashing on traditional values. Mm -hmm. Seinfeld. Just plain and simple funny. Uh, But again, uh, uh, just all those attacks on traditional values. That's what our generation was really known about. Martha (laughs) and I are going through, and we've been studying this book this year, 
called Sticking Points by Hayden Shaw. And we actually went through this in our Business His Way group. In case you ever want to find out more about Business His Way for small business, Christian small business leaders, you can go online to businesshisway.us and find out more information about that. This book just shattered I don't know if it didn't shatter things for us, but it really opened up our eyes to understanding how to get people to work together in the workplace. And we've just spent the, the show talking about generational differences, and we got through traditionalists and baby boomers and Generation Xers, and we're never going to finish this, Martha. No, we aren't. But I wanted I want to ask you a question about Gen Xers. Did you ever play Donkey Kong? Absolutely. Did you have it at home? No. Or you I, went to I, your friend's house? No, no. Nope. Where'd you play it? Donkey Kong. We actually, it was Donkey Kong Jr. And I played it in the arcades. In the, uh, quarters, uh, you, quarters after quarters wow. after quarters. Me and Ross Peterson, we do that. Uh, so top music for the Xers. We get, uh, here's the deal. We're not going to be able to finish this. We're going to do, we got to, can we just do this tomorrow again too? Are you willing I to come back we, and do this? I think we better. Otherwise we'll leave you hanging. You're going to have to listen tomorrow too, because we've got more. Because we're only going to finish Generation Xers. Top music. This really talks, I mean, the whole shift in our culture. Top music, My Sharona, uh, Ebony and Ivory. That's what friends are for. Another day in paradise. I don't remember that one. Dream lover. How about jump by the Eagles? Jim's it, adding his own. I did. I added. He that wanted one. his favorites out there. All right. So the millennials, the, it, the really the shifts be, just begins to be massive when you start to look at the millennial difference because you went from the traditionalists, which now represent thirteen percent of our 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 population, baby boomers twenty six percent, then the Generation Xers only twenty percent, but millennials. 28% of our population and the next generation, which we're going to talk about, it's still 14%. What are some of the key things to the millennials? Well, technology was introduced during the baby or during the generation Xers. I mean, they are no, I mean, that's when computers came out during the Xers. But the millennials, they don't know life without computers. Right. Can you imagine that? No, I can't imagine life without computers. <laughs> but key events in their lives, how about 9 11? Oklahoma City bombing, uh, President Clinton and the Monica Lewinsky scandal. I mean, the the office of the president up until that point in time had been held in high, high, high esteem. And all we had to do was apologize to our kids for the behavior of the president. Here's an interesting one. The Columbine High School shootings happened during um, in 1999. And, uh, you know, that's a new movie that's out um highlighting that yeah, the shootings in school mm-hmm. after school after school in a workplace going postal workplace after workplace i mean occupy wall street the great recession which we're just recovering from now i'm not even sure if that's even true mm-hmm. um you know department of homeland security was created i mean all of these things but 9 11 that was a huge deal television shows top television shows the family guy talk about totally anti-christian culture the family guy uh, friends still in there. A CSI, American Idol. There was one positive thing. Nothing greater than watching American Idol tryouts. There have been so many excellent Christian musicians that have come out of American Idol as well. But Martha, how do we get these people to work together in the workplace? How do we get them to come together and seek to capitalize on the differences instead of criticize the differences? Well, first we need to learn about them. All right. So tomorrow... We got to talk about how to get the four generations working together to stay together, working together in the 12 places they typically come to part. Mm-hmm. I- I'm sorry we didn't get through all this today, but apparently this book is way better than we thought because we just talked for an hour and we didn't finish. 
So stay tuned tomorrow. Thanks for listening today to I Work For Him. We really appreciate you. If you didn't hear the whole show, you can always listen to the podcast which is or the archive, which is out there on iWorkForHim.com. Love for you to go out there and join the I Work For Him nation. You need to know this information so we can make an impact on our workplace. You and I need to recognize that there is a battle in our workplaces for the souls of the people that we work with, and understanding them is the best way to be able to know how to bring Jesus to them. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers and we own our own business, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.